the old pilot's plain tales. Kill him, kill him, kill him, kill him. This story has graphic references to violence and injury and may not be suitable for all ages. Please use discretion if you're playing it to a young audience. After many years of flying, I've always considered the flight deck a place of calm efficiency. It's a classically professional environment where voices are rarely raised and even during the most trying of situations or worrying emergencies, the crew work hard at controlling their emotions, staying cool and composed. The voice recorder transcript of FedEx Flight 705, however, is far from calm. It reveals one of the most terrifying situations on a flight deck that I can recall, and it makes chilling reading. It's April 1994, and as Captain David Saunders, First Officer Jim Tucker, and Flight Engineer Andy Peterson climb into their aircraft, they see another pilot, Auburn Calloway, a jump seat passenger, already on board and occupying the flight engineer's seat. He wordlessly vacates the seat to get into the jump seat. Nobody comments on his lack of protocol or the fact that his only baggage is a guitar case which he keeps on the floor near his feet. However, during his pre-flight checks, the flight engineer, Jim Tucker, notices that the circuit breaker for the cockpit voice recorder was out, cutting power to the device. He resets it, but after stepping off the flight deck for a few minutes, he found it had popped out again, or so he thought. He resets it a second time. The crew are three ex-Navy pilots and brought in as a replacement for the original crew which Callaway had been part of because they had exceeded their flight hours earlier. Had they not done so, the conclusion of this story might have been quite different. The new crew were big fit men, the oldest being the captain at 49 years of age. Auburn Callaway was also ex-Navy and a martial arts black belt He'd achieved much in his life. It's no little thing to qualify as a Navy pilot, but since leaving the service, things hadn't been going so well. Although he had a good job with FedEx, Callaway hadn't made the progress he wanted. His marriage was on the rocks, and he'd been called in by the company to face a disciplinary hearing over claims that he had made concerning his Navy flight hours in his hiring documents. It's possible that he thought this hearing might end his career. Callaway had recently taken out a $2.5 million life insurance policy, which combined with a death-in-service payout from FedEx, meant that should the aircraft he was travelling in crash, his ex-wife and children would receive a very large payout. In addition, Callaway had transferred over $54,000 in securities and cashier's checks to his ex-wife. This was undoubtedly to ensure that his family would be financially secure should he die. Believing that his life was in ruins, Galloway had hatched a plan and it involved the contents of his guitar case. Not subject to the security checks that we now take for granted, Auburn Galloway had secreted in the case an odd selection of tools 
two club hammers, two claw hammers, a spear gun and a knife. For the operating crew, the flight started just as it had done many times before. They were departing from Memphis in Tennessee and flying to San Jose in California in their McDonnell Douglas DC-10 freighter. After an uneventful start, taxi and takeoff, the crew were settling down to the normal routine of the climb and chatting easily amongst themselves, as pilots do. It was Jim Tucker, the first officer's leg. He called, Gear up, please. IAS hold if you can. Captain David Saunders replied on the radio, right 280-275, radial outbound, express 705. Check, came the reply. That's Cowley's Ridge. You know about Cowley's Ridge? No, no. That's it right there. All, all this area right here? Yeah, see those trees? Yeah, it's a natural fault line. Oh, this is the New Madrid, huh? Well, it's part of it, yeah, but it's much higher in elevation, and uh, the climate's different. You drive in Arkansas, you drive right over it. Well, I... As they chatted, they were unaware of what was occurring behind them. Auburn Calloway was reaching into his guitar case to take hold of a hammer. He quietly unbuckled his harness and stood, coming forward. Do you uh, live over in Kansas, Dave, or? Nah, I live in Fisherville. Oh, Fisherville, great spot. At this point, around 15,000 feet in the climb, the lives of the three crew members changed forever. And in the background of the easygoing conversation, a sickening noise can be heard on the cockpit voice recorder. The transcript blandly notes sounds of hammer blows striking pilots. three crew members had been struck over the head with multiple hammer blows. The flying engineer was closest to the jump seat and he had been attacked first with a vicious strike that fractured his skull and severed his temporal artery. Calloway then attacked Jim Tucker, the first officer, with a full backhanded blow that punched right through his skull. Turning to the captain, Dave Saunders, he struck from overhead but fortunately, the hammer deflected off a metal guard on the overhead panel, slightly lessening the first blow, but it nearly tore his ear from his head. Saunders tried to fight him off, but strapped in he couldn't do much, as Calloway bludgeoned him again and again, knocking him nearly unconscious. During this sustained attack, Calloway flailed about with the hammer inflicting gruesome injuries as the crew did their utmost to fight him off. Despite what had happened, all three were desperately defending themselves. Dave Saunders shouted, get up, get him, but the flight engineer was unable to move. 
Calloway retreated to get the spear gun, and when he returned he spoke for the first time. Sit down, sit down, get back in your seat, this is a real gun, I'll kill you. Despite having difficulty seeing and hearing little but a loud ringing in his ears, Andy Peterson is the closest and he lunges forward, grabbing the barbed tip of the spear gun. Dave Saunders is up and out of his seat, helping Peterson, so Tucker is the only one at the controls and he takes radical steps. He heaves the huge airliner into a climb and then rolls the aircraft steeply over onto its side. Fighting for the spear gun, all three men are thrown off their feet and they tumble back out of the cockpit. The flight engineer has been severely injured and his blood is being splashed about, turning the aircraft into a scene more akin to a charnel house. Both he and the captain are fighting hard, but starting to lose to the uninjured Callaway. The aircraft's warning system is continuously alarming. Bank angle, bank angle, whilst Tucker shouts encouragement to the engineer. Get him, Andy, get him! The first officer continues his extreme manoeuvres, reaching about 140 degrees of bank, but Callaway has got hold of the hammer again and is raining blows down on Dave Saunders. Now in a steep dive with the throttles at full power and the overspeed warning sounding again and again, the aircraft is close to coming apart as it reaches 460 knots. The noise of the airflow around the cockpit is deafening and the wings and elevators are starting to flutter. The controls are no longer responding and Jim Tucker has a problem. The damage to his skull has rendered his right arm unresponsive. Flying with his left hand, he can't reach the throttles unless he lets go of the control yoke. The airspeed indicator is now off the clock, but he takes a gamble, releases the controls and pulls the throttles back. Eventually, he heaves the aircraft out of the dive and keys the radio. Center, center, emergency, emergency, center, listen to me, Express 705. I've been wounded. We've had an attempted takeover on board the aircraft. Give me a vector, please, back to Memphis at this time. Hurry. In the background, the desperate struggle is still going on, and Dave Saunders is shouting, Put it on autopilot and come back here. Jim replies, Keep him back there, guys, I'm flying. Hurry up! Jim! Jim! Jim, is it on autopilot? No, I got it. From the rear, the captain said, Put it on autopilot and come back here. Quick, Jim. OK. Hurry, Jim. Come back here now. OK, wait a minute. I'm coming. Jim, do it now. Hurry, hurry. In the meantime, the struggle in the galley continued. Calloway had managed to grab the hammer one more time to strike the captain yet again, with his flight engineer bleeding out from his severed artery, and with repeated blows to his head, Dave Saunders gathered his last ounce of strength, pulled the hammer from Calloway's hand, and hit him until he stopped moving. Jim Tucker's now out of his seat, and he takes over monitoring the subdued man, and Captain Saunders returns to the controls. 
With Memphis's assistance, he sets the aircraft up for an ILS to land while shouting the chilling instructions to Jim and Andy in the galley area. Listen, is he okay? Put, put that thing in his throat. I don't give a shit if he's dead or not. Don't kill him, but hold him. You got him, Jim? Whilst Dave Saunders is studying his approach, he shouts, Jim, are you under control? Are you under control? Jim's voice can be heard from the rear of the cockpit. No, no, something's the matter with me. Dave shouted, you keep him down here. I can't, Jim replied. The spear gun that was pointing at Callaway had slipped from Jim Tucker's weakened grip and the desperate Calloway takes his chance. With a clearance to land, Dave Saunders hears the struggle restart, and he shouts, Kill the son of a bitch! Kill him! Kill him! Kill him! Kill him! His crew are struggling again, so Saunders puts the autopilot back in and gets out of his seat to help. Tucker picks up the discarded hammer and hits Calloway again finally subduing him. Back in his seat, Saunders sees that they are now too high and fast for the approach, but with some steep turns he elects to put the heavy aircraft on an alternate runway. Warnings are blaring as he sidesteps the aircraft, but at only 300 feet from landing, Callaway again starts to fight. The landing is hard, and Dave Saunders uses all but 900 feet of the runway to stop, but eventually he brings the DC-10 to a safe halt. Opening a door, they deploy a slide that allows emergency personnel and police to come on board, and with Callaway safely in custody, the crew get their desperately needed medical help. And the aircraft looks like a disaster area with blood pooling on the floor and splattered all over the cockpit and galley. However, despite being taken to the limits of its strength, the aircraft is eventually repaired and put back into service. Callaway is convicted of air piracy and given two life sentences without the possibility of parole. He is currently residing in the Federal Penitentiary in Atlanta. In May 1994, the Airline Pilots Association award Dave Sanders, James Tucker and Andrew Peterson with the Gold Medal Award for Heroism, the highest award a civilian pilot can receive. It was assumed that Callaway had intended to commit murder-suicide. By carrying everyday tools as his murder weapons, he hoped that they would go unnoticed in the aircraft wreckage and that the injuries he inflicted would equally be explained away as the result of a crash. His plan to disable the cockpit voice recorder, though, had failed, thanks to the vigilance of flight engineer Andy Peterson. Saunders, Tucker and Peterson had survived a suicidal act of piracy, but at terrible cost. Peterson had been lucky to survive the blood loss from his severed artery, but eventually he would recover from that and his fractured skull. 
Saunders suffered multiple lacerations to his head and was stabbed in his right arm and had his jaw dislocated. His right ear had been almost completely severed. Jim Tucker's skull was severely fractured. The right-sided paralysis would pass eventually, but he would experience ongoing motor function impairment to his right arm and leg. He was also blinded in one eye. As of 2004, 10 years after the incident, due to the extent and severity of their injuries, none of the crew had been recertified as medically fit to fly commercially, although Jim Tucker has now returned to recreational flying. If you enjoyed listening to this story, then please pop over to leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. Plain Tales is a featured segment of the Airline Pilot Guy show. You can find us at airlinepilotguy.com.